You know, the online world is great for so many things. It's great for making you laugh, it's great for entertainment, and every now and again you come across ideas or people that literally blow your mind. But I still think some of our best thinking happens offline. So join me, Nessa, on Offline Thoughts as I chat about some of the things I think about when I'm not online. I'm really glad you're listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. So in today's episode, I'd like to talk about loneliness. So this week, I I randomly called a friend of mine who I hadn't spoken to in a few months. And I called him because I was in the bathtub and, you know, I I knew I was going to be there an hour, an hour and a half. And I thought this is a perfect time to make a call. So I called him up and, you know, we go through periods where we're either talking a lot. So we're having daily phone calls or it's just complete silence because we've got we both have things going on. So we speak for an hour and a half and we're giggling or cackling or just catching up on like the last few months and what's been going on in our respective lives. And I hang up the phone call and I go back to my bath and I don't really think much of it. Later on, I see that he sent me a text message and he says, thank you so much for calling me. It means a great deal to me. And something about that message, the tenderness, the vulnerability, and also the fact that it seemed an out-of-place thing to say for a simple phone call made me realize that maybe he might have been lonely. And the reason why I think that is because even when I was speaking to him, I got the sense that he was just happy to be talking to a good friend and happy just to be, to be thought of and for somebody to give him a call. And that made me realize that one, because personally, when I think of loneliness, I always associate it with older people. So in my head, I think of like a really old person whose loved ones have have passed away for whatever reason, and they're basically left alone. So maybe they've lost their spouse, or maybe their children have moved away because they're all grown up, or just because they're, they're older, they've lost siblings, and they found themselves at a place in life where they're by themselves. So when I think about loneliness, that's basically the image that I get in my mind. What I don't think about and I don't think we think about is actually loneliness applies to probably every age group. And this person that I was speaking to, my good friend, is like a, a young man in his mid-30s. So when you think of a young man in his mid-30s, you think that he's probably well connected in that he goes to work every day. So obviously he has work colleagues. You imagine that he goes out for drinks after work with those work colleagues, maybe. You imagine that he's probably either married or is dating and therefore he's interacting with the world and he's getting a chance to engage with people and stay connected in like a, in the physical sense. And so really there's no real need to feel loneliness because you imagine the young person's life is, is filled in all these different respects. But what we forget about the advent of social media and you know I grew up probably I don't think I was even on social media until I was maybe 12, 13. Because for me, I wasn't even allowed a phone until I was, I would say, probably closer to 15 because that's when I got my first phone. And obviously, I didn't have internet before I had my first phone. I remember my dad used to have, like, this really brick, like, desktop computer in the conservatory. But, you know, we went on that supervised for maybe, like, a couple of hours a day, if that. But for the most part, we we were just out and about living real life. And also, there wasn't, like, entertainment like we have now. It's not as though there was, like, Netflix that you could stream or Disney+. Plus. Or that you could go on social media platforms and basically while away hours on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook if you're still on that. And so, you know, your time was just taken up by just being out and about with your friends. And the reason why that doesn't make you feel as lonely is because sometimes we underestimate the value of even just being able to speak, of somebody else hearing your voice, of you being able to use your voice and communicate things with people. And when you laugh, somebody's there to hear you laugh, or you're even able to laugh in the first place. 
And you're able to engage with somebody in a way that is dynamic. So it's not as though you're communicating and then you have to wait for them to like see the message and get back to you, assuming they get back to you. So even when you find come across something very funny on TikTok, you'll message a friend and say, oh my God, this is so us. But you might not get a response immediately, especially as people get older and they end up having more things that occupy their time. Chances are the waiting time between sending a message and receiving a response gets increasingly large. Which means you don't get that satisfaction of your feelings being validated in real time. Or are you being able to cultivate moments that you might think on later on? So when you're with a friend and somebody tells a joke or you, you recount a funny experience you've had together, when you start cackling and laughing and joking and you're in hysterics together, that is literally creating a moment that you're going to come back to later on because it's a moment of pleasure and that you're enjoying each other's company. But also you're literally getting feel-good hormones from just being able to laugh with another human being. And the connectedness obviously is coming from the fact that you're laughing together and you're having a good time together, but also it's because you're creating a shared memory that you're going to be able to use as a reference point in the future. And beyond just being able to create a moment in time where you can both refer to again, there's also something to be said about exposure to somebody and the likelihood that you're going to be able to feel like you can tell them your innermost thoughts. So obviously the more time you hang out with somebody in real life, the more you get to see different sides of them and the more you feel like you know them and they know you, which means that you're able to test the water. So maybe something is on your mind. And I think when you don't know somebody well enough or you're, clo or you're good friends with somebody, but you're not like besties, you're not like close confidants, then you kind of test the waters. You know, you might tell them a low level story about work first to kind of see what their response is or how you feel comfortable with them. But as time goes by, when you see that your secrets are safe with them, when you see that they're a safe person to tell things to in general and that they've got good advice, then of course it puts you in a position to open yourself up to them even more. And the problem with not being able to share the same physical space with somebody because we're so busy being online or being connected in a virtual sense is that you're you're losing out on those opportunities to have that familiarity with somebody where you can just tell them about loads of different things. So, and to be honest, it's not even necessarily traumatic things because it's not good to trauma dump anyway. It's not necessarily big things that you feel comfortable with. Sometimes you feel uncomfortable sharing very small things. So let's say, for example, you're on a diet and you've lost like a pound and a half. A pound and a half, especially when you like watch those extreme makeover shows, like uh, what do they call like extreme weight weight loss or extreme makeovers, I forget. They used to be like around the early 2000s before it became sort of unacceptable. But you might wanna share that you lost a pound and a half. And when you haven't shared space with somebody on a regular basis and you haven't had the opportunity to talk about deep things, shallow things, in the middle things, you might feel like it's an, a trivial thing. It's too much of a trivial thing to share with somebody who you don't see that often. It's almost as though the things that you share in that moment when you are physically together have to sort of live up to the occasion, if you will. So what's the point of me talking about my one and a half pound loss when I haven't seen you in five months in, in, physical, in physical life? So automatically there's a level of distance that's been created by not being able to see somebody on a, on a semi-regular basis. And then if you can't tell them the small things, you might also feel like you can't tell them the large things because to a certain extent when you see somebody on a regular basis, you're kind of able to update them in real time and they're able to track the story of something in a, in a more natural and cohesive way. So let's say 
you know, you see a friend once a week and one day you tell them that actually your boss was acting weird. The next time you say that your your boss was like, you know, being quite hostile to you. And then, you know, go along a few months and you say that actually you think that you're going to be made redundant. Because they've been with you the whole time, you don't have to do the hard work of like filling them in on the backstory and tell them all the various developments that have taken place over the last few months because that's kind of off-putting. So because you don't see them regularly, then even when it comes time to tell them about big things, you might just feel like it's a lot of labor to do just to be able to get them to the point where they understand the context of what's ha- what has happened or what has transpired in your life. And maybe something better than the work example is in the case of divorce. You know, if you see somebody semi-regularly, you can tell them all the things that bothers you about your relationship in a micro level, like, oh, they forgot your birthday, or, you know, they're kind of hostile to you, or they don't share with you, or they're not good in bed, whatever it is. And as time goes by, because you see that person all the time, you're, you're able to tell them little things and big things, they've got a pretty good view of who you are and what the dynamic in your relationship is. And so when a big thing happens, like you're contemplating divorce, you don't think, oh my God, I'm going to have to do like work to tell you about the past five years together and all the various ways that they've let me down and the fear is that you might tell them of what your decision is and they might trivialize it or they might try and talk you out of it because they don't have a proper grasp of why it is that you've come to this point so again you're becoming increasingly less connected with the people that you love just by virtue of not being able to keep them up to date in real time of the various goings-on in your life and when you're talking on on a purely social media or purely virtual, let's say when you're only talking to your friends through text message, whether it's on Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or whatever it is, some things just don't feel like they should be a text message. Like, I'm not going to text my friend and say, I, I feel sad today. Not that it's not appropriate, of course it is, and it's always very good to share your feelings and make sure that you know you reach out to your, to your circle because that's what they're there for. But somehow it feels like it both trivializes the experience you're going through i feel sad i feel lonely i feel alone by just sending it in a text message it also feels as though it's going to be received in the same way because they would think well maybe you should tell me in person maybe you should have called it just doesn't seem like something that seems appropriate and that's not just true of like sad things it's also true of like big milestones you know like if you're only talking on social media then you're not going to text your friend oh hey by the way I'm, I'm engaged it just feels like it's a it feels like it's reducing the big moment or the excitement of the moment and it's sort of putting it in the same sort of lowly category of like other things you would text so you would text your friend and say oh my god you know like I just saw Justin Bieber across the street you know, that's like a low level thing to text. But to but the but but the big things, I feel sad, or I'm getting engaged, they feel like things that you're supposed to make time for people and tell them face to face. And I definitely think what I've noticed as time has gone by is that sometimes I feel as though I'm connected to somebody more than I actually am. So because you text people via text people regularly, let's say you text them on in a group chat on WhatsApp, for example or you send the memes that you've seen online, or you're on TikTok and when you watch a funny video, you ping it over to them, you can feel as though you have seen that person or you've interacted with that person when, you know, really you haven't. You've just sent them a funny video or a funny message. That's not the same thing as checking in with somebody. That's not the same thing as saying, you know, how are you really doing? You know, what's been going on with work? How's your girlfriend? How's your boyfriend? You know, how are your parents? 
you know, tell me what's going on. That's not the same thing as meaningfully checking in with somebody. But it creates the illusion of closeness because, again, you are seeing their, their face, for example, whenever you go into a group chat to text them. Or you are going to their profile when you send them a TikTok message. So it can create a false sense of connectedness. And the reason you realize that you're not actually as close as you imagined when you're texting them through these platforms is because sometimes when you meet up with somebody in like real life when you haven't seen them in a long time there can be that awkwardness and the awkwardness is not because you don't love that person or like that person it's because you oddly felt like you were close to them because you know you've been pinging each other across various platforms various funny things but you haven't actually seen them in real life you haven't smelt them you haven't heard them laugh you haven't practiced just having a conversation and having a naturally flowing conversation and so when you first meet up to them it, it can kind of feel as though you're not as close as you used to be or as the last time you remember being together and that's purely because you haven't seen them in real life as opposed to anything has really happened in your life in your relationship with that person and beyond just realizing that you've neglected your relationship and that's why there's that level of tension, not tension, that's the wrong word, but there's a level of awkwardness that shouldn't be there for long-standing friends. Beyond that point, I think it also just takes practice to be able to have a naturally flowing conversation. So when you're on, when you're texting people through your phone, you don't actually have to practice good speaking skills. You don't have to be an active listener. You don't have to practice making eye contact. You don't have to practice your t your storytelling skills, making sure that you're energetic and you try and make them feel how you want to make them feel when you're telling them that story. In many ways, text is flat. It's, it's flat when it's written. It's flat when it's received. And that natural rhythm that a conversation requires in real life is not really happening via text. So you meet up with somebody, and sometimes I feel like people genuinely forget that you're supposed to say, oh, hi, how are you? And the person's supposed to answer in a meaningfully way. And then from then, you can like explore other subjects. But when you're not used to speaking normally, I've definitely seen people just exhibit f poor conversation hygiene. So they'll be looking at they'll be looking at text messages while they're talking to you, for example. Or there'll be a, a message will come through on TikTok and somebody send them a video and you'll see them watching the video while they're having a conversation with you. Or instead of displaying normal human emotions to a story and emotions that are appropriate and proportionate to that story, they'll kind of respond in text form even though you're in person together. So I've got a friend who says lol a lot. So I'll tell a story and they'll be like lol. But that's not the same thing as like hearing somebody laugh. You know, if you spend five minutes telling somebody a story and you reach the final crescendo of your story and you're, and you're expecting a big laugh, when somebody says lols, you know, there's a, a certain level of, of disappointment that comes with that. And again, I think it's because we're just not practicing speaking and being with people in real life. Or for example... I've noticed that sometimes people feel uncomfortable with real emotions in real life. So you might be with you might be in a group setting and somebody's expressing disappointment or sadness or anger at something. And instead of validating that person's feeling like feelings like saying, "Yeah, I understand why you would be understand given that context or why you would be sad or why you'd be annoyed." and allowing them to speak on it further and hopefully lead them to a way to a solution if that's what they're looking for, I found people sort of injecting like like shallow 
you go girl sort of messages and I think you know what I mean like everything has to have this this veneer of positivity like forget about them you you know you're a queen you know you're a king like they could never or you know like these shorthand expressions that we use when we're in the comment section of 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 social media but really they're supposed to stay there they're not supposed to transcend into real life and instead of using normal adult language to express how you feel or to make somebody feel good we're sort of just using these shorthand ways of expressing ourselves so like lol or even just things like omg or yeah like i was saying like i would never just these little smarmy things that we say online and the net effect of that is that when somebody has opened themselves up to you in real life and they've made themselves vulnerable by sharing their feelings about whatever it is and you respond in a way that shows that you are not connected to them and that you're not understanding their base feelings and you're using this weird internet chat for real life situations then of course it's going to amplify that person's not loneliness but certainly they're going to feel less connected to the people in the room and also it's going to mean that they're less likely to bring those same emotions to this to the table because once bitten twice shy and it means that it's basically a negative circle that's being created because we're having shallow conversations even in real life and that's the thing about being online is that I personally don't find that I often talk about things that are personal. So one thing I like about TikTok is that you go on and you find platforms like live chats that speak to subjects that you're interested in. So let's say you're interested in feminism. You'll go on and you'll find like a feminist topic that where people are talking about and you'll tune in to listen in and you'll comment in the comment section. Or let's say I really love like DIY and, and home improvements. You'll find like a live where somebody's doing that. They're putting together like a, sh like a shelf or they're redecorating the sitting room, whatever it is. And while that's nice in that you're, ba you're basically able to indulge personal hobbies, it's it's it feels lonely after you consume all this content because you're not actually talking about yourself you're not it's not it's not inwardly focused it's not inwardly it's not focused on what you are going through internally how you're engaging with that content internally and again often it's not dynamic it's not as though the per people are responding to you in real life unless of course you're part of the live but for the rest of the people who are just in the comment section we're all individually posting statements that aren't engaged with most of the time and that kind of creates this odd sensation where you feel like you're with people and that obviously there's people online with you at the same time on the same live all commenting on the same content you're all watching together but because it's not dynamic and you're not all having a conversation together at the same time engaging back and forth in a way that feels natural the way that you would in real life it feels oddly hollow. It feels oddly as though you're not actually together because one, you're not, you know, like even the way you consume the content is usually you're by yourself. Maybe you're in your room or you're in your house by yourself. You don't usually consume and engage in these platforms when you're in a room full of company. So you're by yourself texting your phone, basically engaging with strangers on the internet, but they're not engaging with you back for the most part. And you're all watching the same content, but that content isn't engaging with you either. And so even if you spent two hours on this and you've listened to really interesting conversation, it almost feels as though you've could have just been watching TV because that's the same feeling. It's like you don't watch TV and speak to the TV. Even if you speak to TV, the TV doesn't respond to you. So 
there's this odd feeling of when the show is over and you turn off the TV, you just re realize that you're by yourself in that space. And that's very much the feeling that I get when I get off the live. It's like while I was on the live, I was entertained. I was, you know, commenting my troll comments, probably under the comments. But once I turn it off, I realized that actually I was alone the whole time. And I would imagine that that's the way that most people feel when they get offline, especially if they live alone and especially if they already feel a little bit of loneliness in their everyday anyway. And beyond just there being a lack of dynamism in the interaction of social media and you, I think also there's something to be said about being able to have eye statements and have eye interactions. Or put another way, there's something to be said about being able to speak about yourself and speak about yourself to an audience that is interested in you and cares about you enough to listen and ask questions and ask probing questions and also remember that for the next time. So the reason why it's so satisfying or why it feels differently, engaging even in a lecture in real life than a lecture online is because you can have real life interactions with the people in that hall. So you can ask the lecturer a question and they'll respond to you straight away. And the people in the room will also be nodding along or you know maybe shaking their heads because they disagree. Either way, there's real life feeling and real life connectedness and real life response time that makes you feel as though you're connected to that person and those people in that room because you're literally together in the physical space sharing a moment interacting with each other in a dynamic way which is not the same thing as watching a lecture or watching a live um, on, on, on online platforms. So inherently it's not even really about which platform you're on it just speaks to the inherent nature of how you engage with these platforms and how other people are on those platforms as well you know it almost feels as though the natural outcome is that you are going to feel a level of disconnection and it's kind of actually it's kind of counterintuitive actually because you know you really are speaking to lots of people across the world at the same time but yeah, it's not the same thing as feeling as though somebody cares about you or it's not as though it feels as though those people are real people. And also, to be honest, like sometimes I genuinely feel like there are bots in these chats because the way that people spam um, these chats, these live chats with the same message over and over again, I think to myself, there's no way you can type that quick the same message over and over again. Or like sometimes when you go on somebody's page and you think they're a very popular person, but then you kind of see that, you know, they, they post things. And when they post things, despite having like hundreds of thousands of followers or even millions of followers, you see that the engagement rate is so low, you know? And part of me always wonders if maybe they've bought followers and they're not real people. And for me, I think that's where that sensation can come from, you know? Sometimes when I'm online, I feel as though the way that people are responding to information doesn't feel like it's real life. Or even to be honest, like even when you go into comment section and you see people like typing really nasty stuff. And I sometimes wonder to myself, like, are you like a real person? Like, do you walk around the world? Have I seen you somewhere? Are you in the office? Like typing these nasty messages and nasty comments, you know, but when somebody speaks to you in real life, you know, at your desk, you know, you're all smiles. So sometimes because the responses are so outrageous or the comments are so outrageous or they're so obtuse, sometimes I wonder to what extent that that person is real. And real in the sense that there's a pretty well-codified system of speaking in real life, especially when you're in, like, in certain settings, in certain work settings, where you're pretty much polite for the most part. And usually people tend to reserve extreme emotions, either positive or negative, for their personal lives. And even within their personal lives, there's still limits to what you express. Or there's a code of conduct in how you express yourself. And so because when you're online, people are talking in a way that is just outside the realm of what is normal, 
acceptable, expected in real life, I think it can amplify that feeling of feeling like you're not in the real world when you're on these platforms. And while not being in the real world feels nice in that there's a level of escapism involved in that you don't have to think about your real life and your real concerns and what you're going through in real life, and you can basically be anybody online because if you want to be anonymous, you know, you, you kind of can. That just engaging with people in a way that is just unnatural and feels as though it's not part of the real world can also amplify the feeling of feeling disconnected when you come off the platform. Because in the platform, maybe there's a certain, there's a different level of conduct that takes place, but that real, that fake life, shall we say, or that online persona or online rules of engagement, they don't actually translate to real life. And when you try to over translate the things that you can say online to real life i think most people will find that they're going to be ostracized in some way or people are going to look at you funny because there's just some things that you only say in the online world and that speaks to what i was saying earlier about just the way the language has has evolved where because people spend so much time online they don't they've lost the capacity to know what the right language to use it in real life is so when i was talking about not knowing how to use the proper the proper emotive language when somebody's telling you about something that's sad or something that's happy and only having access to internet speak. Another factor that can make people feel disconnected when they're online too much is just by the very nature of what it means to be online in terms of the way that you hop around from page to page. So when you're on, let's say, let's say more of the visual ones where you curate like a page, you curate like a page or an exhibition essentially, like Instagram. So when you go into Instagram, like most of the time you're scrolling, but obviously when you come across something that you like or you come across a profile you like, you click onto the icon, you go into their profiles, and then there you see what the person has cultivated for you to see. So they've probably put together various albums, they probably have a specific aesthetic, and they'll have various po- pictures. And what I always notice about these pictures actually is that unlike the time when we were all on fa- on Facebook, Instagram tends to be very Per, like individual focus so you'll see a lot of selfies in there or when the photos are included especially I would, I would say photos of women it's often they're standing by themselves so they'll obviously have asked somebody to take a picture of them so you'll see them by themselves like standing in front of a restaurant or in a restaurant with their gl- with a glass of wine or you'll see them like at a park or you'll see them at an exhibition you'll see them in various locations but often you'll see them by themselves and not with photographed with other people And that's not because they probably went to that place alone. They probably didn't. It's probably because the way that people think about social media is not the way that we used to think about it when we were growing up. So I feel like in the age of Facebook, you were generally taking pictures with your friends to create an album, a shared album where you could all go back and reminisce about the great time you had together. And, you know, granted, these photos were probably like not the best photos. It would be like a random can of beer and like a random foot and a picture of somebody's eye really close up. They weren't the best quality pictures, but they it did feel as though it was a group or a connected interaction that you've had. It felt as though the album spoke to the fact that you went somewhere and did something with people and you had a good time with this with those people and you were documenting the good times that you have. I would say when you go onto a platform like Instagram and you click on somebody's profile, it feels as though it's an exhibition of that person themselves. So it feels as though it's, it's telling you about all the things that they like. It feels very narcissistic to me, you know? It'll be literally just be them at various locations and very few times will 
will it be them with other people? And if it is them with other people, maybe it'll be like the first, you know, when you can scroll, you can like swipe right, it'll be like the f one picture and then you swipe right and then there's like multiple pictures. I guarantee you like nine times out of 10, the first picture is usually the person by themselves, looking cute, whatever it is, but it's of themselves. And then you can swipe right and sometimes you see other people. So when you go into these platforms, it feels as though it's an expression of individual experiences as opposed to an expression of the good times they've had with their friends. And beyond the creepy factor for me, where I feel like, where are your friends? Where are your family? Like, why are you alone? Beyond that point, I think it creates a dynamic in which you're focusing on the person as opposed to the things that they're doing, you know? So because you're focusing, you're seeing one face in all these pictures in front of various things, doing various activities, I feel like it's only natural to compare yourself to that person as well because then it becomes a one-on-one -on -one interaction. It's you looking at one person's profile and seeing that one person on holidays or you know at fancy restaurants, at fancy ex exhibitions. And the natural inclination is to think about your own life and your own things in a way that I feel like doesn't automatically occur when you're looking at an album with lots of people in it doing lots of different things together. So when you're comparing yourself to the to the one person that you're looking at, you're naturally one assessing, I feel like everybody's assessing sort of like their income level, their class level, like what like who they are as a person, you know? So when you see the restaurants you're like, "Oh, look at them at Nobu." Or when you see them like showing off like the clothes they're wearing because if they're standing in front of a white wall, obviously what they're saying is it's not about the environment that I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to show you me, myself and I and the things that I'm wearing. So then you pay attention to their shoes or their nails or their makeup or their jewelry, and the natural inclination again is to compare yourself to what that person is presenting themselves as and then naturally makes you look at your own nails and your own jewelry and your own hair and makeup and your own clothes and while that can be inspiring in that you know you're you're getting bits of inspiration from different people online I think inherently it doesn't it doesn't yield good results because one you're trying to take different pieces of like 20 30,000 people that you've seen and you're trying to put them together in a way, in a way that is naturally not going to mesh. So let's say you like like four different aesthetics. You like the soft girl aesthetic, you like the fancy girl or luxury girl aesthetic, aesthetic, you like the simple aesthetic, you like the sporty aesthetic. You're taking like different components of all those different aesthetics and trying to piece them onto yourself in a way that's cohesive. So it's not even going to work on a base level because it's too much going on. But beyond that superficial trying to like pick and choose who you are, what you're forgetting as well is that that person probably isn't that person anyway because if you notice those pictures are always highly curated pictures they're actually they're actually very rarely pictures that somebody just happened to take of them like they were just laughing and they candid the word I'm looking for is candid they're hard they're usually not candid photos so not photos where you the person was like walking through a park and their friend just snapped a picture of them or they're in the middle of eating something that and the friend took a picture of them you know it always feels as though they decided how they're going to show presenting in that way and then they got somebody to photograph them and that means that you're not comparing apples and apples because for all you know that person's the the, the 12 four 14 pictures that they have pinned to their profile probably doesn't represent them in everyday life. So when you're trying, when you're thinking about how they've presented themselves and you're thinking about how polished that person looks, 
you are comparing yourself to that person on that person's best day, on that person's well-curated day, which means that it's actually impractical for you to maintain those things. Because again, a lot of work goes into them. And because one, because even if you try to maintain those things, you'll find it very difficult to do so and eventually you'll just give up and you'll go back to just being yourself. You are going to feel as though other people are able to maintain a quality of life and a standard of living and a standard of showing up in the world that you for some reason aren't able to achieve. And you will see that lack of being able to achieve as a personal failure. Maybe it's a failure because you feel as though you don't have enough discipline or you don't or you're not organized enough or you don't make enough money. Whatever the reason is, you're going to compare yourself to these people and see themselves on their best day and compare themselves to you on an average day and basically walk away feeling as though you don't belong in that space or you don't measure up or you are somehow the odd one out. And actually, you know, I was using mostly female examples in these shots because that's who I was imagining in my head. But I actually think some of the most pertinent examples are actually with men, especially men who like like luxury things and like cars. So you'll see somebody's Instagram page and they'll be like in all the photos they are in like really snazzy cars, probably, you know, dressed up, looking nice in really fancy cars. And you'll think to yourself like, wow, look at that person, their nice car or often what men do is they'll show themselves in the car and they'll have their wrist extended so you see their watch and if you aren't able to afford those things then of course you're going to feel inferior or you're going to feel as though you don't measure up or that you're behind your age mates but what you're forgetting of course is that that person probably has rented that car that's that's what i recently learned so i used to see people like young guys and all these fancy cars and i was like wow they must change their cars on a really regular basis and also they are able to afford really snazzy cars maybe they're just really good savers and then somebody told me like no like they just rent the cars so it's a rental like some people will have an everyday car, but they'll also rent a car for like special occasions. Let's say if they're going to a party or they're going somewhere far and they want to basically like roll up in style. They'll, they'll just rent a, a car for a weekend for a day. So again, if you're consuming this content and you're comparing yourself to this content and you don't realize that actually this content isn't authentic or isn't representative of real people's experiences, then you're going to feel disconnected from those people because again, those people, instead of making you feel as though you belong to them have really reminded you of the fact that you don't measure up in some way. And then the final thing I'd like to talk about before I go on to talking about what to do about it is even when we curate our own pages on these platforms, we can actually end up making ourselves even more lonely in that I think part of not feeling lonely comes from being able to be seen for by people and to be accepted for the way that you are by those people. So when we're curating these online uh, profiles, we often curate them in a way that is unrepresentative of who we actually are in real life. So like the other people that we were seeing online, we're also presenting ourselves on our very, very best day. So you'll see pictures from like the best holidays that we went on, the best restaurants we went to, to the best experiences that we've had. And sometimes, perversely, we even book those experiences, those trips, those holidays, those massages, those whatever it is. Sometimes we even book them with the anticipation that we're going to photograph ourselves for our social media platforms. 
What this means is that we're not making decisions on the basis of what we actually enjoy doing and spending time on the ba- with people we actually enjoy spending time with. Sometimes we're doing things on the basis of how they're going to look online. Now, the problem with that, besides just how shallow that whole circle jerk is, is that we end up measuring ourselves ironically enough to ourselves in a way that feels like we can't measure up so when you look back on your profile like five years from now you will see yourself dressed to the nines you know at various beautiful restaurants and exhibitions and hotels and 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 vacations but because those few experiences aren't actually representative of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and sometimes even are just not representative of who you are just in general let's say for example like you don't actually like socializing with people in big groups but because you know that pictures of you at parties looks good online you put yourself in that situation it means that when it comes time comes time to looking at your profile you can actually be comparing yourself to somebody who looks like you but you know that person is not you so you almost feel as though you have to measure up to the person that you have created in the public's imagination so little things like let's say in literally every single photo you have online you're always wearing makeup your eyebrows are always done you always have blush on you always have lipstick on then that means that you feel insecure to be seen in real life not looking like that because literally that's the only time you document yourself. So you might get into a state of paranoia about going out without makeup or let's say in all your photos, you're photographed looking very feminine. But the reality is that we probably have like more feminine days and we have less feminine days. But because this is who you present online, when it comes time to like wearing joggers or cargo pants or whatever it is, you might feel paranoid to be seen in that way because you think that that's not the person you've created in your friend's imagination from your online um, online profiles. And it's actually not even just how you look in those pictures, it's even the views that you express. So the problem with having online profiles or curating the version of you you would like to present to yourself, present to the world, is that that version of you is static. So which means that the views that you express online in those curated like profiles are never going to evolve at the same rate as you and the problem is that usually when we're younger we have really stupid views we have silly views because we haven't lived enough and we haven't considered the complexities of life so you might express a view that you are actually genuinely ashamed of because you've outgrown that view but the problem is that your online profile is still out there and sometimes because people save profiles and because let's say they take a screenshot because they're outraged by something that you've said, you can actually end up being trapped in that per- beat. You can end up feeling as though you can only ever be that person to the person who has seen you express those views because otherwise it feels as though you're a fake. It feels as though you express one version of yourself online, but then you're a different person offline. It's almost as though you have to live up to the person you've presented. And again, obviously, that can make you feel disconnected because literally the person you've created is disconnected to who you actually are in real life. And so when people are engaging with you online through the persona of yourself, shall we say, you're not actually getting a chance to express who who you are authentically. And then also when you're in real life with people, you meet people for the first time and they've only experienced you online, again, you're never going to feel that close to that person because the way that person perceives you and the way they're engaging with you is part in formed by the online persona that you have so again to some extent it kind of limits the closeness that you can have with that person if you can never bring your full self to the table because you're too busy kind of trying to live up to the 
to the you that was cultivated online to make sure that it doesn't feel as though you're one person online and one person offline. So then to conclude the episode, going back to what I was talking about at the top of the episode about realizing that a good friend of mine was lonely, I think the way that we can stop being lonely is that we need to remember that we have complex needs as people. Obviously, part of it is to be intellectually stimulated, and that's why it's so nice to be able to go online and have conversations in various communities about subjects that interest us, like politics or hobbies or whatever it is. But to remember that we also have an inherent need for closeness, for physical closeness, you know? We've got a need for meeting up with our friends and having real-life conversations, having real-life laughs, or even just, like, being able to be tactile with somebody. So one of the nice things about meeting up with friends is that you give them a big hug when you see them, you give them a big hug when you leave, you're in each other's physical presence, maybe you're sitting on a couch together or you're sitting at a table together. There's a need for actual physical human companionship. And I think that's the component that is always underestimated when it comes time to considering the kinds of needs that need to be met as well for us to feel as though we're fulfilled and feel as though we're not lonely and that friendships thrive not only because we interact with us with our friends on a regular basis or semi-regular basis but also that we are able to be there to be with each other in a physical sense so that they feel comfortable and we feel comfortable to talk about both big and small things and ultimately while social media or the online world is always going to be great for entertainment and for research and for acquiring information It's never going to be a good substitute for our fundamental need for being in the same space at the same time and to have people respond and engage with us in real time. And we need to remember that interacting with our friends by sending them memes or sending them like jokes online is really not the same thing as being in the same space with them or being able to hear the intonation of their voice when they express a certain view or being able to share a laugh with that person. Ultimately, you know, they're the things that foster connectedness with our friends. And so let's make sure that we're checking in on them and we're having phone conversations that aren't just memes and text messages. And most importantly, that we're carving out space to be together in the physical world because nothing is ever going to be as satisfying as that. So with that, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm sorry this episode is on Wednesday. I couldn't publish it on Monday and Tuesday, but I'll be back on Mondays next week. Thanks a bunch and catch you on the next one.